It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're listening to the Go Birds Pod, a radio.com podcast about your beloved birds. Everybody, welcome to Wild Card Weekend right here on the Go Birds Podcast, Radio.com, Sports Radio 94 WIP. John Barchett, of course, along with the man who, well, he's just really, really tough uh, to impress. Let me just tell you that, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but he's here. He's the one and the only, the uh, one who has more hair gel than he does. Oh, I couldn't come up with a punchline. Hi, Elliot. Well, I got my hair cut today, finally. Ooh, okay. Thank God. It's been about a month, so I'm, I'm feeling good. I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm just not impressed by that Carson Wentz stat. Like, I don't see why everybody's <laughs> just so hype about it. It's not an anti-Wentz thing. I mean, I think I've given Wentz tons of praise over the last month. I picked him to win this division. This, I, the stat just doesn't do it for me. I'll get into it. I, I don't care if it, it was Dan Marino we were talking about or, you know. Uh, uh, Joe Montana, Tom Brady. If that was Tom Brady, I think you'd be impressed. But I, I, I think because it's Carson Wentz, that's why you're not impressed. Well, we'll I don't talk care about what it. you say. We'll yeah, talk. we will. We'll talk about it. But uh, I want to talk to you guys first. And I just want to say Happy New Year. The first official podcast of the new year in 2020. I uh, want to thank you guys from the bottom of our hearts. Me, uh, Elliot, James, uh, we so appreciate uh, you guys just being with us the entire year as we do Every single year, uh, we've met and talked to a lot of incredible people throughout the season. Uh, we're so glad that you're part of our, you know, Sunday morning streams when we're doing uh, that on uh, on Twitter. Which, if you're not already, you can follow us at Go Birds Pod. Like you guys have been 
amazing. Uh, and over the last uh, couple of years with uh, me and Elliot and uh, and James just kind of taking this thing forward, it has been like a, an incredible experience. And uh, thank you so much because, um, you know, we couldn't do these things without you. And we enjoy the love, the hates, the disagreements, the agreements, and it all kind of ends on playoff runs like this, like uh, that's that's been my message for quite a while here, and um, you know, covering a wild card weekend, rooting for it, uh, and and the inevitable, at least what I think here, Elliot, uh, is that the Eagles are just going to win this football game. <laughs> you know, I just I all right, I I, I right. it it uh, we can overthink this as much as we can, but. I I believe in Doug Peterson, and that's all I kind of need. This is a third year in a row that uh, we've seen this seen this show here. They have at least one playoff win in them, and I honestly believe that they have a couple of more after that, which we can certainly talk about as well. But um, I, I feel really good about Sunday at four forty here. E. So I've kept track of every game. I've I've been keeping track of every Eagles game I've picked since Doug got here. Uh So since 2016 and I'm 50 and 19 right now. Not bad. And I really don't want to get this 20th loss on my record. So I am very stressed out about picking this game. (laughs) And at the beginning of the week, when I first, when I was at MetLife, I was thinking, okay, they're going to, they're going to beat Seattle. Like that was my initial gut. Yeah. And I'll say the last time, last two, two times a season, I felt that way where after they beat the Giants, I was convinced they were winning the division. And after they lost to the Lions, I was convinced they were being the Packers. But then I went against my gut and I picked the Packers in that game. So my gut's normally right. But the more I look at this matchup, I do have real concerns about this game. Well, you should. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the Seahawks are great at creating turnovers. The Eagles are more than happy to turn the ball over. <laughs> um, Doug's offense. And I tweeted this out earlier. I don't know what to make of it. I'll ask you, I guess. Doug's offense is only averaging 11 points per game against the Seahawks in their last three matchups. It's really weird. Like, is that, is that concerning? So, because you could look at that on one hand and say, okay, well, 2016, 17, and 19 probably couldn't be three more separate teams, right? I mean, 16, they weren't really trying to win. He threw a touch. Uh, Carson Wentz threw a touchdown to Doriel Green Beckham in that game. Ah. 2019. A few weeks ago, like Jay Ajayi was playing, Jordan Matthews was playing, very different team than right now. What really concerns me is 2017. And that game was in Seattle, but the Eagles were clicking on all cylinders. They went to Seattle, only scored three points in the first three quarters, if yep. I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. And Wentz played and you know, had a had a rough game. Do you remember so, do you remember do you remember what happened almost like um in the I think in the second possession of that football game 2017 by the way I always uh, I think it's funny to remind myself of this. Uh, I don't. Uh Michael Bennett got in his ear early and often and spooked him and he was not the same quarterback until like he threw that amazing throw to Nelson Aguilar for like three quarters later or whatever that was. Yep. I distinctly remember Michael Bennett just being like, I'm going to kill you all night. So you're going to die or whatever he said or whispered into his sweet little ear there. I but, do remember this narrative now. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. That that's was right. fun. Anyway. Well, no. So, I mean, like I just, I see my, my gut tells me the Eagles will win. They're the hot team right now. Um, if you look at just how they've played recently, the Eagles are playing better than the Seahawks are. I mean, over the last three games, the Eagles offense is averaging 29 points per game. The Seahawks averaging offense is averaging 21 points per game. Mm-hmm. Over the last three games, the Eagles defense is only giving up 17 points a game. The Seahawks defense is giving up 25 points per game. So 
they're the hot team. They're at home. They're all those things. But I'm just I'm really torn on this one. Uh, well, you should be. And I, I I don't blame anybody for kind of feeling you know one way or the other uh, about this. Although I would say the sentiment is everybody kind of feels the same way that I do. That is just, I, there's no explanation to it. There's not like a, this underlying, like, yeah, actually Greg Ward is, is the best uh, wide receiver that we've ever seen. And uh, you know, they're, they're, they have this massive firepower. No one's thinking that nationally, no one's even thinking that. Uh, but that's kind of why I like it again is a lot of the small little things that uh, we see as jinxes. I, I buy into those things when you don't put Minnesota and the Eagles in, in the playoff picture, you know, that makes me change my mind on a couple of things. Me like, all right, well then I obviously that's a mistake. Uh, yeah. But do you think the Vikings are going to beat the saints? Uh, crazier things have happened. You There's know, no way the Vikings are beating I, I, the Saints. I, I'm, not, I'm not picking them, but I'm just saying. Listen, one right. of those teams is going to get uh, is going to shock somebody. Um, I I would like that to be the the Philadelphia Eagles, and I I really truly believe that with uh, and uh, shout out to uh, your old colleague actually Zach Rosenblatt today who uh, had a very great article on. Josh McCown, who for the most part, and this is why I wanted to bring this up to you, because I remember at one point during the season. Um, oh, actually, I think it was when we were talking about Greg and his in uh, uh, him coming coming along, yeah. and like it's like, hey, you can't just can't just have uh, what's his face uh, Carson uh, Walsh just Walsh, yeah, like he's just uh, he has to have some credit in here, and it looks like Josh McCown. Um, and if you haven't read this, please go read it. Is just basically working with the the practice squad wide receivers almost immediately. I didn't even realize that he uh, had a uh, a, uh, a relationship with the Deontay Burnett. Um, I forgot that they had uh, they were kind of cross paths at the Jets. So it also showed that you know that he was one of the guys that vouched for uh, Deontay, and he's been you know working with the practice squad wide receivers for a very long time. And everybody just kind of feels like he's a coach already. And that's the eye standing part, at least to me is uh, this, the moment I read that, I go, man, the, the Eagles have to find a way to keep uh, Josh McCown as a, as a coach or something like that. And you kind of kind of forget that he's like six years older than press Taylor and a, and a whole bunch of other things. But um, I mean, they're, they're all crediting him just so you know, not, not the wide receiver coach. So that's yet like a fourth guy that they yeah, had to I work mean, look, around the wide receiver I, I, coach is all. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you went and asked Greg Ward about Carson Walsh, he would probably say very nice things. I mean, I'm right? Sure like, he would too. Yeah, so of course. This is probably more about just getting asked about Josh McCown, and I'm not, I'm not diminishing Josh McCown's input. He clearly has been good for that locker room, right? He's a veteran guy. He's uh, completely invested. I mean, you know, it'd be very easy for him to just kind of, especially when the team was five and seven, to just kind of be like, all right, well, I've you know four more games of my NFL career. Um, I do think there is a chance he could be the quarterback coach next year. Now, if that's something they would want, I don't know. I do kind of still think this team would benefit from outside voices coming in. Yeah. Uh, I am leaning more towards just keeping Mike grow, but it, that doesn't mean you can, you can't just bring in a veteran voice and call him, you know, a, a veteran assistant pass game coordinator, you know, or whatever you wanted to call him. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, look, I think Josh McCown's been great. At the end of the day, I think this team, though, is in the playoffs because Doug is coached at a high level and Carson's played at a very high level and all those things. But I, I think I think McCown has certainly been a uh, a good a good signing by the Eagles. Oh yeah, um, 
And yeah, I think he's just like he's been a mini coach, and you just he's got great hair. You know, all those things factor in uh, to a playoff run here. Forget you know the big important pieces of uh, you know Doug and Carson Elliott. I don't know why you're not just giving uh, giving credit to everything to Josh McCown here. Is exactly my point. <laughs> uh, but I uh, yeah, I think it's a, uh, a fascinating reads uh, for this week, and it's just kind of a. Uh, I, I don't know. There's a there's something in me that is is telling me that as much as we believe that whatever happens on Sunday with this entire coaching staff, um, I I think Mike grows coming back too. Isn't that weird? Yeah, I, I think so as well. But to your point, I'm gonna I'm actually gonna use your argument that you used uh, for you know Carson Walsh here. Like if we are saying that Doug has really dug himself out and Carson's dug himself out. Uh, and and Mike Rowe's done nothing in the effort to go and do that. Press Taylor's done nothing to go and do that, you know, with with this group at all. Like they just suddenly miraculously went. Uh, Doug and Carson had a a bourbon only meeting at a, a speakeasy and just said, "Hey, now uh, listen, we're just gonna get our stuff together here, and I'm gonna write all these new plays on a napkin, and we're gonna turn this thing around." Like Mike Grow had to come up with some of this stuff. Josh McCown had some input uh, in there as well, I guess, but. Uh, Mike, no, look, I mean, Mike Grow deserves day, credit yeah. here too, right? That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, if you're going to blame Mike Grow for the offense being bad early on, then you have to give him credit when it's good, right? I mean, ultimately, and this has kind of been my point all along, I don't think Mike Grow has a ton of input. I mean, sorry, not a ton of input. A ton of uh, impact on what happens, right? Doug, Doug calls the plays. Carson executes the plays. Carson calls some of the plays. Mike Grow suggests plays, right? But ultimately, when everyone was really mad at Mike Grow early on and saying he had to be fired, he was the reason the offense wasn't working, that was over the top. So, you know, if you want to say a fresh set of eyes should come in here, then yeah, I would agree with that overall, yeah. but I don't think that means you have to get rid of Mike Grow. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's back now. You know, that's kind of how this swing goes and we said the same things about or some people said the same things about Doug and he just doesn't have any more or, or whatever it's just been a like uh, we've been saying all week that's why I'm pumped up it's been a, a weird season and we've seen a lot of uh you know incredible things happen in this situation and that's more or less why the, my confidence this week here Elliot is just based on th- this track record now like we cannot uh just look aside and go you you know okay we're concerned about you know, the, the Seahawks uh, offense, uh, their record against the Eagles overall. Um, what Russell Wilson, I think, is 4-0, too. 4-0, yep. Against yeah, he's been really, really good against the Eagles. Uh, and no one, by the way, in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles, and I think uh, Boop Stats tweeted this out. I thought it was awesome. No, Nobody after 4-0 has won uh, five in a row. And that goes back wow. to, like, Unitas and Warren Moon and a couple others that got kind of got sprinkled in there. So... I thought that was pretty interesting as well. And this is a completely different feel of the, like this Seattle was part of the, what is going on with this football team phase? Uh, And and it is, it seems like it's seven months ago that that team existed. And this team feels almost in a way where I thought Vince Quinn actually had a great point last night when I was leaving the station. Uh, And he said, have the injuries kind of in a way, helped the Eagles as opposed to, you know, uh, having all the the different talent that was supposed to be here. I see what he was getting at. And clearly, like, I would rather much have Brandon Brooks on this team. But in that sense, like, there is a a part of this that is not X's and O's. That is, uh, uh, everybody's trying to believe in themselves here. And there's a little more, 
hunger on this football team with young guys who forget, you know, playoffs and wanting to get a Super Bowl that want to stay in the league. And they have like a huge opportunity and a huge platform to go and do so to not only help this squad, but go get paid uh, either by this team or somebody else that wants to pick them up, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think that is part of the success. And that is why uh, I, I don't think that I, I believe in that type of momentum, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Look, I mean, we, we, I think if any fan base has the right to believe in momentum, it's this Eagles fan base, right? I mean, look, just look at last year. Like the, this is almost a carbon copy of what happened last year. It's just a different quarterback. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I think Wentz deserves like I've said, a ton of credit for where this team is at right now. And I think when you talk about going forward, I was actually debating this with some of my friends earlier today, but would you take Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson or Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz? And obviously, obviously the advantage for quarterback is Wilson over Wentz. And that's not a slate of Wentz. Russell Wilson's one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the league. He's a ton of playoff experience, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. I do think though that in a big game, I would take Doug over Pete Carroll. Like last week when the uh, Seattle was fighting to get that first round by against San Francisco, they're at home. They're at the one yard line. They have momentum and you get a delay, a game penalty. And then you yeah. pile that on top of the bad call in the Super Bowl a few years ago. And I know people will say it wasn't a bad call but it was definitely a bad call. So when you look at that, I mean, do I trust Doug or Pete Carroll to make the right call or to have his team ready to play in a big game? And I think Doug, I think he's the better head coach heading into this game. Oh, without a doubt. And I, yeah, that's why it would be, um, if, if well, you it, said at the beginning, you said it's, you know, simply you're picking because of Doug. Yeah. And that's, you know, cause we've seen lesser quarterbacks already like, uh, beats to uh, Seattle teams like this. And I, I don't I, I am kind of buying back into, you know, what James has been trying to tell us for a very long time, too. I just don't think Seattle's that great of a, a football team. And in that sense of making poor decisions, they're the only NFL team, I believe, that actually stays in their base defense like more than half of the time that they're yep. in there. And they run the ball more than anybody, I believe, in the league. And I heard Pete Carroll on his conference call uh, just kind of go and say, like, he basically wants to try and take Marshawn Lynch and shove it up our ass uh, in in this one uh, because he was very cautious about how he used them in the first half and second half. So um, I, I don't think that's going to change. And because Pete and, and Brian Schottenheimer kind of just go, well, this is what helps Russell Wilson and they continue to kind of run into a wall, um, I, right. I, I think that's where the opportunities open up. And if, if you've seen Seattle play – Throughout the year, that's been the case of, okay, who's going to screw this up first? And man, Seattle has won a ton of coin flips that way in that sense and have won a lot of games. And I, I don't know if you find this stat a little interesting too, just from, do you know why they're they're four and four at home and seven and one on the road this year? Does that make any sense? No, that is, that is a very weird uh, that is a very weird stat. And you know what? I wish I had another stat. Actually, I should have looked it up before we started. But I saw a tweet probably about a week ago, and it was saying if you took the uh, reverse of one score game. So, like, let's say, for example, the Eagles have won 10 one score games this year. Yeah. And uh, in those 10, in those 10 one score games, they went eight and two. So if you reversed it, they'd be two and eight. And no team had a bigger difference than Seattle. So they wow. have kind of lived on the edge this year in terms of just their ability to 
continually come on top out on top and one score games. And that is impressive to a certain degree, right? I mean, me and you have certainly debated about close games and winning them at the end and what mm-hmm. that means and all that stuff. But what it also shows is the chances are the Eagles are going to be in this game. And over the last month, they've shown they know how to win these close games. Carson has become right clutch. He's clutch right now. So for him to do that at the end of games and to know that you're probably going to be in a close game with Seattle, I think is encouraging. Yes. Uh, and let's, Go to Carson for a second, because I need to know why you're not impressed by that stuff. Let's do it. I I, I just like I I look at that and go like nothing in the Elliot in the history of football, which is celebrating its hundredth year anniversary. No one has done that before. No one has done that before. And to say say, that for those that don't know it it is Carson Wentz is the only quarterback to throw for four thousand yards, which don't matter. Uh, But the the outlier here is, and he has done it with no wide receiver over 500 yards. That's pretty impressive by any standard. Yeah, I just don't. I don't think it's very impressive. Like, and it, and it's not. Here's here's my thing. First of all, it's nothing to do with Carson Wentz. If any quarterback had that stat, I wouldn't think it's that impressive. But what really got me going is when like you hear it all the time. People are writing it. People are using it as an example to say how well Carson has played. Like, it doesn't really show much about Carson. I mean, Zach Ertz is basically a wide receiver. He has 900 yards. Dallas Goddard, basically a wide receiver. He has over 600 yards. Okay, Miles Sanders hold, is over 500 okay, yards. Okay, okay, well, hold on, hold on. Who runs Who like, runs their offense in 22 personnel or 21 personnel in the in the, in the the league? Who, who, decide, who decides we're going to go two tight end, one running back all the time in this league? I mean, lots of teams do it. Okay, and that's their main passing attack is two tight ends and no running back. Look, look <laughs> I, I just want to make sure your point is. My point is like no t- that's the, yes, having two playmakers as tight ends is certainly nowhere near efficient in football right now. Like it's just no, but, not. But that no, but but the Eagles are unique in that way, right? Cuz they have Ertz and Goddard. But regardless, yeah, my yeah. point is this. Like to just single it down to 500 yards and then also to single it down to wide receivers like fine. And then also there's this idea that like people read that stat and they go like, man, Carson's doing it with nobody. But when you look at this 4,000 yards, like how many of those do you think have come off practice squad guys? Uh, Maybe 400, 300, something like that. And also with the 4,000 yards, every single quarterback in the NFL that's thrown the ball over 600 times this year has 4,000 yards. So the 4,000 yards thing, isn't that, isn't that crazy, right? He's just kind of thrown the ball enough to get those yards. But I think like, Again, like people don't need to come up with these contorted weird stats to prove that Wentz is playing well. Like Wentz is playing at a high it's level. It's not a contorted Wentz, weird stat. This it league, is, but it is. Do you know how like, many big? Change, do you know how many big plays happen in the NFL on a daily in this league now? Like, I'm, it's not. It's not that the wow four thousand yards. That's a lot of yards for only that. It's the fact that the way you move the ball down the field in the NFL is big, huge chunk plays at a time. 15, 20, 35, 40. They are nowhere near that in that department, which means and it tells you wow he is cutting up the defenses as it goes along uh, but, but he's not cutting it, them it, up it, with the receivers right that's like, the point like, that's the point is it you your your biggest weapons are you're playing half court basketball basically uh you know like you or you that, that's the only thing you can do that's it you have <laughs> that, that's why it's I mean, impressive I, don't know. I mean like 
Alshon is 490 yards. If he had 11, I, I just like, again, it, it's not, it's got nothing to do with Carson. This isn't taking away from Carson. I just don't find the stat that impressive. I just don't like, and everyone's speaking it as if like, it should be in an MVP consideration discussion, right? Oh like as if God. it's like some, un, like some amazing accomplishment, like just because I, you I, don't I, understand Carson's why people like it. The last month. He has, <laughs> he has two game winning drives. He beat the Cowboys, right? He's four and oh, like he's not turning the ball over. I mean, he has, I think 10 touchdowns in the, uh, uh, month of December, if I'm not mistaken, like he's doing a lot of impressive things right now. I just don't think cherry picking and like, you know, you know, all right, we're only, we're going to say just receivers, but we're going to do 500 yards instead of 400 because of Alshon or like, you know what I mean? It's just, it, it, I don't think it, it really says much about how he's playing. Well, it did. I mean, okay. Uh, I, uh, all right. No, no one has been able to do that in the NFL ever and and that's just like yeah but it's not that impressive so it's like yeah, okay yeah it's fine, just fine. I mean, yeah because zach Ertz and dallas goddard have been just like the offense the entire year and you but, know but those guys are basically wide receivers if we're being honest right i mean i know i know they block and they're like if i'm Ertz and i'm going into a contract negotiation i want paid like like a top offensive weapon i don't want paid like a yes. tight end quote unquote i right. mean Right. Like, yeah. so to, so to say that he's like, you know, dinking and dunking it like four yards at a time to like John Ritchie playing. I know he was a fullback, <laughs> but like, you know, like old school type of football player is not true. Like Zach Ertz is, he lines up in the slot all the time. Like, so he is essentially a receiver. They just call him a tight end. Okay. All right. That's okay. Cool. You know, I, I don't, there you go. I mean, like I, I just, I just don't get why people think it's like, I just don't understand why people think it's so impressive. Like there's so much more Carson's doing now. That's, that's impressive than that. That's more impressive than that. It, it, this is, this is very like Scott Kazmar of you. It's, it's just like, you know, well, Ertz is this, I, and look, and he's a, he's a great player. And, and so is Dallas Goddard, but it's still, I, I don't know everything. If your starting wide receivers are taken away from you and then you have a completely different group, it's not that impressive. I just don't I'm, understand look, that. I'm not, like no, I, <laughs> look, what I'm saying is I'm not saying what Carson is doing is not impressive. What Carson is doing is impressive. The fact that his receivers are Greg Ward and, and Rob Davis and they're still winning is impressive. But Rob Davis has what, 11 yards this year. So it's not like, you know, it's not like he's had to like use these practice squad guys to carry the offense. He's moving the offense through Ertz and Goddard, who are both elite type receivers like they are i mean so, goddard is basically a receiver and i know it frustrates people to hear that but i mean he is basically a receiver like he's not a tight end he's not brent Selleck. he's not you know who's a dude uh no one can't remember lj or chad lewis is that where you're gonna go with well, chad lewis is a better example than i than i was thinking of but yeah chad lewis is a great example like these guys i mean they want they line up out wide like i i just don't see why why Singling it just they're down to receivers, to, they're easier to cover a lot of the time. You know, that's that's the that's the point of it. Well, except for uh, Zach Ertz, I guess that doesn't really fit there. But that's that's or why Goddard. you would like, you would pay more attention to, to Zach Ertz in that place. I mean, he was doubled. He was taken out of games at some points. Like, do you not remember any of this stuff? That's right. The, that's my point that he's been doubled. He's the defense's main focus each week, and he's still getting open and still being effective. But because he's a tight end, we shouldn't really like take that into consideration in this stat. But we do. That's that's the whole point of this because Zach Ertz has had to do a lot for this football team. Both of those guys do. Like hat tip to to everybody involved. If you, make it a, make it a Carson and tight end stat. Is, is that impressive to you? Then I, I just think to me, <laughs> and again, I'm a quarterback win loss guy. But like, I just feel like why why 
why not just focus on the fact that he's winning games and like has carried this team to division? Like why when talking about Carson, do we have to focus on this 400, the 500 yard thing? Like I just, I don't get it. They have three players on the team with over 500 yards receiving. I think the stat indicates that nobody's caught over 500 yards, but they have three players that have caught over 500 yards receiving. Okay. Uh, yeah. I just, you know, if you don't have explosive plays in your offense and, and you're still winning football games and uh, your tight ends. They and do have explosive been, plays though, right? Uh, Miles yeah. Sanders has oh, made wow. big plays. Yeah, I mean, wow, they've God, had- Goddard made a big play last week. Yeah. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside has made big, has caught a 29-yard pass. Greg Ward did. Like, they do have explosive plays. Okay. Yeah. Very consistently. Dialed up every single day. That's why Deontay Burnett's 42-yard catch was the fifth biggest play in the season. I think if this stat was from Dak Prescott or a quarterback that Eagles fans didn't like, they wouldn't think it's as impressive. But I think this is a stat where right. just because everyone like everyone's just excited, everyone's just decided it's uh it's cool. And so like it get retweet, it gets retweets and all those things. But like it really doesn't say much. It just to me, it does not. I like maybe for other people, like it's their cup of tea. I just <laughs> I just think there's Carson's done a lot more impressive things than this random stat that people are like tweeting all the time. All right. Well, so I had to get it off my chest. All right. Let's, let's tweet it. It's fine. Happy New Year. <laughs> we, we will. Happy uh, Thanksgiving. Well, uh, yeah. Happy Thanksgiving is uh, in case you missed it, by the way. Um, uh, Ron Rivera was getting um, introduced today. And uh, the one and the only the man that never screws everything up on January 2nd, the, the year of our Lord's 2020 opened the press conference. Well, kind of uh, kind of like this. Um, first off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> that is one Dan Snyder saying happy Thanksgiving to the entire uh, Washington media down there. So, you know, you know, like- it's really a, a reminder. And I think we might have talked about this on the last pod. But when you when you think about at this po- point to this season, we've sat on the pod and discussed like, OK, is Howie the GM? Is Doug the right head coach? Is Carson the quarterback? That when you see things like that, it just rem- reminds you that. Yeah, the Eagles are flawed in some ways, and they have some tough decisions to make this offseason. But they are just so far ahead of every single team in the NFC East. I mean, the NFC, maybe not, right? But like when it comes to the NFC East, they're they're working against children in a lot of ways. I mean, the Giants <laughs> have no idea what they're doing. Washington yeah. clearly has no idea what they're doing. Although I like the Ron Rivera hire to some degree. Yeah, I do And too. the Cowboys are a mess still. So Eagles are still in good shape. Yeah, yeah really good shape. And um yeah, Washington, you know, everybody's getting excited down there now because they're doing the, the same things that got us excited when, uh, you know, Jim Schwartz came here in the first place when they flipped it. They're going to a back to a 4-3 in Jack Del Rio. So everybody's kind of pumped up there. But that's why I keep thinking. I, I go, yeah, there's uh, have, they, have you seen numbers, by the way, on Rivera's contract? Have they announced anything yet, Elliot? No, I mean, I'm sure he's going to be the highest paid coach in the NFL besides maybe Belichick. I'm sure he got a yeah. huge deal. The fact that he's, he agreed like the day after the season ended means that the Washington basically just gave them, gave him whatever they wanted. Yeah. So I think he's going to have a lot of personnel control and a bunch of money. <laughs> and well, my, my thing with the hire too, I'll say is I like, I think Ron Rivera is a good adult in the room. He'll come in, he'll make them a seven win team, yep. but I don't think they'll ever win two playoff games under Ron Rivera. No, I, I don't think so either. And uh, I can't remember who was talking about it yesterday, but he was talking about, you know, Jason Garrett's kind of just like a fancy Jeff Fisher. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you. When you look at Ron Rivera and his record, and granted, it's a little, that's why I'm calling it fancy Fisher, but there's a lot of fancy Fisher in his, you know, in his record books there. And it's mm-hmm. the, a lot of questionable decisions throughout the years. Um, is not a big analytics guy. Uh, and in fact, like yells about, 
teams getting those next gen stats, you know, sent to them, and he thinks it's an unfair advantage, and he says he barely like I looks at them. I thought he was a big analytics guy. Uh, maybe like, he changed- remember Riverboat Ron? He goes for it all the time on four. Don't they have one of the biggest analytic departments, or maybe they're starting one? I don't uh, in Washington. You mean? Oh no, no, or sorry, in Ron Rivera in Carolina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I, and and I remember, you know, that distinctly. Happening and it's just like oh, it's just not coaching football anymore. And I remember saying like, what an odd, odd answer. So if you give that guy kind of personnel control, and and can I just ask how the hell did Ron Rivera and freaking Dave Gettleman get back in the same division again? You yeah, know, I thought that was kind of weird too. But uh, good news for the Eagles, though. Great news for the Eagles. Even better news going down on in Dallas. And man, is this just adding up to uh, one? Uh, either Jason Garrett is. Is Adam Schefter even is now saying more than likely still Jason Garrett's going to get fired, but there's a little sliver of hope in there that they might retain him. And then my theory for the last couple of days was like, oh, they're just going to try and find a, an advisory front office role for him. And Ed Werner today is saying that looks like it could be a big possibility because the Joneses and uh, and the Garretts are very close and they're trying to work this thing out. So. Uh, as much as people are saying this is very strategic, and even uh, if you want to go listen to me and Dave Damashek from uh, uh, the last pod uh, this week, he actually believes that Jerry wants to try and bring in like Bill Belichick or give a boatload of money to Urban Meyer or you know all these all these good, very very good conspiracy theories. It's a lot of fun to go and check it out. But uh, what do you think is happening in Dallas here? E? I think the next head coach is going to be Matt Rule, and oh, wow. the reason I think that is because. I think once they get rid of uh, Jason Garrett, which I still think they're going to, that is the best job on the open market. I mean, it's the Cowboys, right? Like it's uh, the best roster. It's not the mess that Cleveland is. Um, The Giants, you could argue maybe, but I think the Cowboys are just a bigger deal and they have more talent. Um, And when you, when you look at Matt rule and what he said, when he talks about Baylor, now I know he's always wanted to, he's apparently always wanted to coach the Giants and he's, he's lived on the East coast, but Baylor is only 100 miles from where Cowboy Stadium is right now. One of the things he's talked about is saying that he doesn't really want to uproot his family. So I think that once they get rid of Jason Garrett, if Matt Rule really is going to come to the NFL, he'll go uh, He'll go to Dallas. I think Dallas will end up with either Matt Rule or Lincoln Riley, but I would lean on Matt Rule. Man, that's a, that's a pretty good call there. Uh, see, I, I, I leaned Urban Meyer heavy because that just made sense. Like, I would, I would assume... You know, like the Zeke connections, and that seems pretty easy for him. I mean, that that looks like it's an Ohio State offense ready to rock and roll. Uh, looked like Ryan Day, you know, was was running that thing. Um, I, I could totally see that. Uh, yeah. So I, I I think it ends up being Urban Meyer. I know that the Cleveland it was reported today that you know they were really interested in him, and for the the native son to return, I, I guess even though they're gonna just skip past what an asshole he is. I would have uh, no concerns if I'm the Eagles about Urban Meyer going there. Neither would I. Uh, and I would welcome the challenge. I would. It, it would make me salivate with great joy if I could root against that piece of shit. Uh, I, yeah, either <laughs> way. Go. Either that or or we do get the doomsday scenario that Damashek said of Bill Belichick being in there. Motherfucker, it's us against the world at that point. Everybody's going to hate Dallas like more than they did the Patriots. I would love if that uh, if that were to happen. But I, you know, I, I don't know. Crazier things have happened uh, with that. But um, uh, Elliot, be uh, I, I, I want you just to to give us the the overall view here. Uh, you know, you were you were kind of telling us about 
and I, you know, where everybody kind of stood of, uh, you know, what Seattle's been kind of doing, what obviously we've seen from this Eagles team so far. Um, I, I think the biggest advantages right now, we're unsure of like where Lane Johnson's going to stand. Uh, more than likely, I, I would assume it's going to be Big V again, but uh, would love to get your feel on that. And uh, I think Lane Johnson plays. I really okay, do. Um, he was out of practice today, which is a Thursday. Um, and I was just walkthroughs, but he was doing some stuff, which I think is encouraging. So I do think Lane Johnson plays. I think they put Vitae at right guard, which is where he practiced all offseason with Brooks gone. Um, I think Miles Sanders plays. But with those two guys, the question is really how long will they play, right? And I do think the fact that Johnson will be going up against at least at certain points, Jadavion Clowney is uh, will factor into their decision making. But ultimately, I think he'll play. He's missed four weeks. Um, he's a tough guy. I think he'll play. I also think Zach Ertz plays, um, even though wow. he has to be medically cleared. Um, you know, he was out there today at practice, running around, catching passes. Yep. Um, I, I think Zach Ertz plays. So I think the Eagles are going to have, I mean, you know, I say basically everyone when they have 12 people on IR, <laughs> but they, they'll have all of the questionable type guys. And Jalen Mills definitely play as well. Um, and is that, yeah, and that's where, like, I, I know people are going to kind of hem and haw on that, right? Like, uh, w- would you rather... Jalen Mills not going this game just out of no, of course not. Jalen Mills is their best cornerback. Like they need Jalen Mills out there. And he also brings a toughness to that defense and they just play better when he's out there. I mean, they were good last week, but overall but they're better your, when Jalen Mills means is. your boy Razul's got to sit down. I like Rasul, but Mills is better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do you want me to, you know, like yeah. I, I like Rasul, but yeah, I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think you should well, see. Well, you Rizul. could, you could start Rasul and Mills, right? Am I, am I just blanking here? No, you can, you can totally do that and throw Maddox in the, into the slot there. It's just, gonna, yeah. you know, but then you don't have LeBlanc. So, right. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, yeah. and I'm looking forward to that. Um, I, I, I would, I would keep that crew out there, honestly. Uh, I, I don't, as much as you had been saying, like, don't disrupt anything. Um, I, I doubt we're going to see Jordan Howard, obviously, because we haven't even touched on the Evander Holyfield's son, Elijah, you know, joining the team. And uh, I know a lot of people were interested in him, uh, you know, pre-draft. And uh, the Eagles obviously interviewed him. And people are saying he could get some significant snaps in this one. Uh, after, first of all, do you, do you think that, I mean, like Jordan Howard's clearly not going to be active in this one and probably nor should he be after what we saw um, last week. It just looked... I think uh, like he'll be active. You think you don't so? Think he'll even be active. I, I, uh, yeah. I mean, why bother? You know, I, you just sign, you just sign this kid to basically be him, right? If you can well, only be out there for two snap snaps last week. Yeah. Yeah. No. I look. I, I get your point, but he was active last week. Um, after, in the locker room afterwards, which granted, players in the locker room always say they're fine, and then they never are. He <laughs> said uh, that you know he feels like he's getting better, all those things. So I would think he would be active, but. I mean, mostly just because of, I mean, Holyfield has to learn the whole offense and not from a running backs perspective is it's probably the easiest position to learn, right. but you know, are you really going to put him out there right now? I don't, I think, I think Howard, uh, I think Howard will be active. Okay. Interesting. All right. Again, I guess if you're only going to use, if they think Howard can get uh, 10 snaps then, then, or eight snaps or whatever, then I guess you don't need to put Holyfield in there, but um, I just kind of want to say. Well, it I remember, ideally, you have Miles Sanders, and I think he will play. So then you really just go with Sanders and Boston Scott, and then if one goes down, then I guess you just have to put Jordan Howard in there at that point. Uh, and obviously, we've uh, we know that not only uh, Doug Peterson, twenty five and nine at home, uh, we know that Jim Schwartz is you know uh, going to continue on here with his uh, hopefully sixteen and a half points per game. Is that what you said, E? Uh, at home right now, is that what they're averaging this year? So since. The Eagles tweeted this out since 2017. 
they're, they have the top defense in the NFL when playing at home. So 16 and a half points. And then over the last three games, they're around 17 points with, you know, obviously some of those on the road, but yeah, look, the defense is playing great. Um, the concern obviously is just Russell Wilson. I mean, but I did like what, what, uh, Schwartz said at his press conference yesterday, he was asked about, you know, Russell Wilson has all this playoff experience and he kind of interrupted and said, well, you know, we have playoff experience too. So <laughs> I, I, I do think they feel confident going into this. And that's what I think is funny about, you know, th this whole thing with, with Jim Schwartz and kind of like our relationship with him. Uh, but in the biggest moments as well, I mean, he's performed at, at a very high level when his backup up is against the wall. <clears throat> Minus that whole Super Bowl thing. But we won't talk about that. Uh, hey, they won. You know? <laughs> yeah, they won. Um, and they made a huge play at the end. Yeah, they did. And and the, uh, that, that uh, to me, is um, something that is going to be very peculiar as this thing kind of goes along here. And with all the coaches, like, it could be pretty crazy that, uh, you know, maybe Jim Schwartz goes and Mike Gross stays after all of this. Because I was looking back, and, and I remember uh, the the other weird little thing that I, that I noticed was um, he signed a three-year deal, if I remember correctly, uh, for like 16 million bucks or whatever. And I don't remember him getting extended after the Super Bowl. Do you? There was no announcement about that, right? Schwartz? No, yeah. I mean... But but Doug got extended right away, and then Howie got extended right away, but but Jim didn't get extended too, uh, you know. After that, right? I can look it up off the top of my head. I mean, he signed a three year deal for eighteen million. Yeah. Oh no, sorry, that's the Detroit Lions. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I don't remember his contract status off okay. the top of my head. Well, maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. But uh, oh shoot, well that kind of crushes that point. So maybe maybe I'm wrong. But I it's just so funny that the, as many times is we have talked about, you know, I don't think Jim Schwartz is going to make it, or maybe he takes that Giants job or whatever. He's still like, I'm still here, man. I'm still performing what I know how to do, even though I probably picked some of the wrong players this year, like Zach Brown, and uh, there's probably some other great other talents that could help us at this moment in time, but... I mean, he performs when he needs to. So, like, what? At the end of the day, Jim Schwartz gets the job done. Yeah. Period. Why, and like, why do you how hate many him games so much? have the Eagles lost because of their defense? Uh, I did like four. I guess that I can remember off the top of my Maybe, head. Maybe, yeah, like five. I, there's just not a lot when these when this team loses. Almost always, when this team is losing, it's because their offense isn't playing well. Uh, no, that's true. No, that's 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 very true. Um. Uh, that's what, what's your what's your outlook for Jim Schwartz's future here? Because I think it's really kind of, I think it's weird that he's not mentioned as a head coaching candidate at all, like zero. Oh, I I don't. I mean, who would want to hire you know Jim Schwartz? Like, let's keep it real. Like, I look, he's a great defensive coordinator, but he was not oh, that great in Detroit. He's a defensive guy. You would have to have an amazing quarterback either already there with a good offensive coordinator or hire a great offensive coordinator and hit on a quarterback, just because simply like. Look, there's defensive coaches out there that win. Obviously, Pete Carroll, uh, Bill Belichick, like all these guys. Uh, you know, Mike Florio is doing not Florio. Mike uh, <laughs> <laughs> Flores is doing well in Miami, right? For considering, you know, what what his expectations are. But uh, I, I have no Brian Flores, in right? Yeah, sorry, yeah, my bad. I have no interest in um, Jim Schwartz as being a head coach. Um, I, does Jim Schwartz have interest in being a head coach? He, I mean, he could for all for all we know, but I don't. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think he's gonna get a head coaching job or an interview. Man, again, I think Mike Rowe is a better shot of being a head coach than uh, than um, Schwartz does. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, I think every. I think you have a better shot of being a head coach than Jim Schwartz does. Uh, well, yeah, no they're gonna hire him. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah, that'll that'll be interesting as this goes along here too. Because if they clamp down and they continue that average, and yeah, we know it's been really bad on the road, so it's really going to have to you know flip it around there. Um, I, uh, I I I just look at how this gets set up, uh, and it, it, I if if Carson just plays even half of the way that he did, or just a tenth better, honestly, uh, than he did the last time they faced Seattle and doesn't have a stinker, they're going to be in the driver's seat here. Uh, that crowd is going to be intense and well, loud, and you've got to light that shit on fire almost immediately. If you get a you know, three and out and then go score seven to nothing, that's the type of environment and start that you kind of need. Get a defensive pick, like wh- whatever. It has to happen you know, like we always say, early and often, and to do that in the first quarter, that's why I think they can take the the biggest advantage away. It always takes Seattle a very long time to adjust to whatever they're doing. Yeah, I mean, look, they got a ten nothing lead against the Cowboys, if I remember correctly. So I mean, yeah. they, they've they've done it. But overall, this has not been a team that strength has been jumping out out front, right? I mean, even actually against Patriots, they got a lead early and they still lost that game. But I I get the Wentz thing, and I really do think. Wentz will play better than he did in week 12, I believe it was. Like, I, I do think that. But, you know, like history shows Wentz has struggled against the Seahawks. And it's been three different variations of Wentz. But 2017 Wentz, when playing at his best, struggled against them. So I do wonder if maybe this is just, like, not a matchup Doug and Carson are good against. That That's my – if I end up picking the Seahawks, it'll be because of that. Just because yeah. there's so much history of Doug and Carson struggling against them. And as we've said, this team – doesn't win when their offense is not playing. You know, like the, the defense, I know what the defense will do. The defense is probably going to give up somewhere between 17 and 21 points, yeah. right? The question is, can the offense get there? And they, I don't think they've ever gotten in the 20s against Seattle, at least since uh, since Doug's been here. Yeah, I don't remember if they have uh, either. And it's been a long time if they've, if they've done that. And it just always seems to be on top of that because um, we just got through well, saying... Well, I have the scores here. So in 2016, right. they scored 15 points. In 2017, they scored 10. And then 2019, they only scored nine. So they're trending in the wrong direction. But- yeah, it's really weird. They almost have like this uh, fart brain because it's not like the Seattle defense does anything any more complicated than they've done since the beginning of time. And it's with lesser talent than you face like year by year by year as that keeps happening. And it seems that there's always these... Wide open shots that don't get hit for some reason when they play Seattle. Uh, or like a, a running back will just slightly go the other direction instead of taking a huge gain. It ends up being like all those baby brain type of things happen against the Seattle Seahawks with this offense. That's where I'll agree with you. Um, I, I don't know why that happens either. You know, like and then something amazing happens when, you know, Carson Wentz throws from his knee and hits Nelson Aguilar to get you fired back up. And that's how these Seattle games tend to go. Like it's always, uh, oh, wow, this is going to be uh, a, a real big back and forth here. And it's just this slow driving into the mud. The, the, I, I'm going to try to out mistake you type of football game. And I, I, I guess we shouldn't be expecting anything less there. But for some reason, I just think they're going to punch him right in the mouth here. You know, like I, I, I think this is a a shock the world moment a little bit here. Everybody thinks it's going to be a close game. And this is just one of those weird outliers that start reminding us of the nine and seven giants that went on that run and beat the Patriots in 07. That's the vibes. Uh, I have. That's <laughs> it right there. I don't know. I've been as optimistic as anybody about this team over the last month. I would, 
I would just be surprised. I mean, Seattle plays close games. They're a good playoff team. They're arguably the better team overall. Although I think when you look at the DVOAs overall of these two teams, the Eagles are just right there with them. We're ahead of them in a lot of categories. But I would, I'd just be surprised if it's a blowout, frankly. I think if the Eagles win this game, it'll be something like 24-20 or 21-17. I, I think the offense is going to struggle to score a little bit, but uh, – I think the defense will play well enough. You know, I know you're probably right, but I'm just, you know, <laughs> it would be exciting. Vision, Don't get me wrong. Vision then, in my head would be nice. And then to, San Fran next week. I think San Fran's a very winnable game. Uh, you know, Garoppolo's first playoff start, all those things. I don't think San Fran's like a tough place to go to play. Uh, yeah. So I, I I think they can do that. And they're really pushing for Deshaun Jackson to be back. You know, those videos on Instagram were pretty, pretty impressive. Uh, and yeah, just start to think, man. I mean, just. Don't you know? Don't you last, gotta get by Seattle first. Though. Yes, somebody called me the uh, last night and was saying like, "Don't you?" He, Kevin Millard me, and I was like, "Yeah, it's good." He's like, "You know, don't don't let us win the first one because if we win the first yeah. one, then we get to Sean, and then when we get to Sean, we're going to San Francisco because they haven't seen that before. We're going to bite them, and then we're going to go down to New Orleans, and we all know anything happened when you get to the NFC Championship game. <laughs> don't let yeah, us don't win the first that. one. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, yes. That is the vibes. I hope you guys are vibing about that, too. Uh, we have the extended Go Birds radio this weekend from 1 to 4. That'll lead you right up uh, into the playoffs uh, for Wild Card Weekend on Saturday. And uh, just a reminder, on uh, on Sunday, uh, we are going to be at uh, JT Brewers. That is happening. Me and James will be there from 3.30 to 4, $2.75 Bud and Bud Lights. And uh, if you uh, come knock on our door uh, and say hello, um, uh, we will uh, certainly uh, toss you uh, some Bud and uh, Bud Lights for uh, joining us. I know uh, Cody Cody uh, hit me up on Twitter and said he was coming. So thank you for that. And, uh, and uh, if anybody wants to fly somebody from Portland, to get there, let me know. It should be a fun time. But, um, uh, Elliot, uh, a, a final thought and a prediction for 2020 from you, sir. Prediction for the Eagles? Yes. Um, I think that they are going to go extremely young next year, and you're not going to see an offseason of older veteran guys. I think maybe Deshaun comes back, but I think overall you're going to see a real youth movement with this team for the first time in a long time. Uh, I like that very much. Uh, and I will stick with, oh, I, I, I'm going to one to make a resolution too. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to try to listen to Elliot a little more. Okay. There you go. Cause he's we'll been get right. Things right more often. He's been, he's been right a lot of the time, but I gotta, I gotta say this first. I need you to apologize and just say you're wrong about Carson Wentz. Can you say that? It'll go along. I've not been wrong about Carson a single time. Okay. When he's playing poorly, I say he's playing poorly. When he's play, when he plays well, he plays well, and See? I say it. See I've never I mean? been wrong about Carson. Just a, just a, just a hard man to impress everybody. But there we, yeah. we all need I mean, to you know. listen to Elliot a little more. Let's open our ears up. Let's open our hearts up. He opened his heart. Uh, you can punch it too, just a little bit, just a tiny bit, and then bit. You know, come yeah. back and then hug it and squeeze it uh, and be <laughs> part of that. And yeah, I, I guess I'll stick with I. Oh, yeah, I don't. Kamo uh, Gouge Hill will not be a Philadelphia Eagle next year. That's uh, one. And I'll, I'll stick with I don't think I, I think Mike Groh is here and Jim Shorts isn't. 
So, and I think that'll be a, a fun, hilarious thing that we can all uh, watch and see. Uh, thank you so much, as always, guys. You are the best. Thank you for listening to uh, the Go Birds pod. Thank you for clicking and tweeting and saying things to uh, Elliot and reading all this stuff at 94WIP.com slash Go Birds. And uh, everybody give a kiss to James and Zoe uh, just because. And let's have a great new year. Let's start this thing out right. Uh, we will bring the fire and ire on Saturday you want to listen specifically at 3.53 p.m. Eastern Time because we need to light the cannon. Can't wait to light it with you. It's going to shock the world, and we are going to all ride this thing together. It's going to be a lot of fun. Happening right here on the Go Birds Pod, episode number 162. Radio.com, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Go Birds! Go Birds! <laughs>